Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer's Fun. We are. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, coming off of 510, <laughs> I feel like this one gave me what I needed. Yes. No. Um, and it was, it really pointed to, it's got some tough stuff and we're going to dig all into it. It's got some hard stuff to deal with, but it really points to the ultimate resiliency of that human beings are capable of. Yes. And also the beauty that can come from devastation sometimes. I couldn't have said it better. Exactly. My, my thoughts. I just, I love the fight that it shows the fight within. Coming off that last episode, my emotions were, were rampant. You <laughs> all know what over saying? the place. They were yeah. crazy, crazy. Um, this one, yes, I'm still, like, I was still on the edge of my seat or whatever, but, I mean, I think I got what I needed. I ain't gonna thinking. I got. Yeah. I got what I what I needed. Yeah, so it was very emotional, too, but in, in like, a different way. Yes. It kind of tapped into it. Well, the I, aftermath. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think I had any emotions left for them to tap into, but, <laughs> you know, after 510, but here they did. They found more. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm excited to do it. You ready? I'm ready, boo. Okay, so this one started out very angsty for you. I mean, you were ready to throw the whole TV in the trash. Girl, for <laughs> so, real. I was about to jump through and grab somebody by the neck. Yeah. I'm telling you. So we start with Brian, dressed very smartly, and he's attending a funeral. Emmett is standing at the casket. Justin's there in attendance, Melanie and Lindsay. Brian walks over to Debbie and hugs her, and he places a comforting hand on Ben's shoulder, much like he did at the hospital. And when Brian gets to the casket, he is the one inside. And he is very confused by that. And then Michael is standing there at his side, which is even more confusing because clearly Brian thought that he was there to attend Michael's funeral because he was the one most severely injured from their immediate group. Well, the casket lid is shut and Brian's eyes are opened. But then it's Brian inside of Babylon and Ted is telling him that it was a bomb. Someone planted it there. I don't think we're surprised by that. No, we definitely wasn't surprised by that. My mind automatically went to, it's a bomb. Especially after we've seen these Oh, I almost cussed. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be better. <laughs> I'm trying to be better. After we seen these people coming down the avenue, screaming with the bullhorns and all this and that, I mean, yes, that's the only explanation is that it was planted in the building, for sure. Yeah. Carl comes in to Babylon, and Brian wants to know the real extent of the damage. There's insurance to cover the building, but that's not what Brian cares about right now. He wants to know about the real, what was really damaged here. And Carl says that there are four dead. And 67 wounded, 11 of them are critical. Oh, wow. It's just, I mean, that's so damn sad. How do you preach God and Christianity and religion and love, but you're able to go in and plant bombs and buildings right. and, and kill people? Like, mm -hmm. gay, straight, whatever the case, I'm still a human. I'm still a, a life, life that matters. Yes, yeah. I'm a life that freaking matters. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really... I know I'm trying not to cuss now. By the end of it, I know I'm going to be cussing. So, but I, let me just let me, let me work through it. Let me work through it. So, I mean, going to work up to it. Yes. So, I don't like the hypocrisy. Don't do that. Like, mm -hmm. no. It's just it's sad. It's just disgusting, actually. Yeah. Uh, Carl says that he never expected something like this to happen in Pittsburgh, and we've seen that from him all season. It's not a diss to him as a person, but he is comfortable and complacent, even though he works with the police and should know that on any given day, anybody's capable of anything. But I feel like Carl kind of represents that crowd of people who in the past couple of years have had their eyes open to, oh, this is really the state of yeah. our world. And this is hatred is still rampant in certain parts of our world. And so I, I feel like Carl is representing that 
population. Mm-hmm. They're part of the population. He, he was in a bubble until he was in because he didn't really know. He was mm-hmm. educated. He was educated by Debbie and the rest of the gang mm-hmm. and just spending time on Liberty Avenue. Because he so, just saw it on the cleanup side. Yeah. As, a, as a detective, you just come in after yeah. this stuff's been Solve done crime, and you're just clean up. But now that he's immersed inside this community and he's in a day-to-day dealings with, with Debbie, he sees Emmett, lives with Emmett, Andrew, and I mean, he has Michael as a stepson. I mean, yeah. He gets to see a little more. He's educated a little more. Like, until you know, until you actually experience, you really don't know. You can only assume. Now, he's actually walking in those footsteps. So These have become people again and yeah, not just a case number. Exactly. You know, And you would think Carl would know better because he probably would have been aware of those unsolved cases that were mentioned in season three when they were holding up the posters mm-hmm. at the GLC. But instead of taking shots at him, though, I'm going to choose to acknowledge his ability to see that he was wrong and a bit naive. Absolutely. And, I mean, he's human, and we're all about growth. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what these last couple episodes were about. It's about evolution and evolving and growth. Yeah. And I think he's finally he's finally there to see that I have to grow with the times. Yeah. Brian asks after Michael, and Carl lets him know that Michael is headed in for surgery. They don't have any leads on who might have done this, but they will interview everyone who was working that night, and they want to review a list of all the attendees. And then Carl tells them to go home, tells Brian and Ted to go home. Ted uh, looks pretty put together, so he at least took a minute to go home and shower, but Brian has not gone home yet. He's still covered in soot, and he has on the same clothes, and I'm thinking that he drove Justin to his place, like Justin's place, and dropped him off, then went back to Babylon. Like I don't think that he and Justin exchanged very many words after the I love you. Like I don't think they needed to, and there was just so much for them to process with everything going on that I'm sure they were both emotionally wrung out, and so... They probably just let each other's presence be enough. Though I am sure that Brian held Justin's hand the whole time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he definitely was affectionate in that way. Yeah, because he was needing him so close. absolutely. And just like needing this tangible proof that he is still here. Yeah. Brian tries to get Ted to go by the hospital with him to get an update, but Ted says that he has too much to do. He has to get the list to Carl, call the insurance company, get estimates for rebuilding. But Brian basically tells him that it's too early, kind of in every sense of the word, to deal with that. But for whatever reason, this is what Ted feels like he should be doing. Everyone is in shock. Everybody processes trauma a little differently. Yeah. I love seeing how all of them are processing. Yes. Or not processing Mm -hmm. or whatever what has happened. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I, that is so interesting and fascinating to me. Yeah. This is how Ted is processing. He's throwing himself into work. You know, he's very task oriented. Exactly. I mean, he's keeping his mind off of it because he doesn't want to have that mental breakdown. He doesn't want to let himself be vulnerable and go through all that. Yeah, before we started watching this episode, I went back and I watched the last few minutes of 510. I both never want to see the episode again, but I also want to see the last couple minutes of it, like, every hour on the hour, every day. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, going back to that final scene, really the final two scenes from 510, I like that we saw Brian go provide comfort for Debbie and then to go receive it himself from Justin in Mm -hmm. those last two scenes. All of this is still very fresh. Like, this is just a couple hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Have passed, and so all this is still very, very fresh in all of them. Okay, let's go back to the funeral at the very beginning. I feel like this is Brian facing his own mortality and being reminded that he's not going to live forever. Now, you may say, didn't we already do that with the cancer arc? Well, that was more about him realizing that he wants to live a long life, even if it leads to him being a diseased old queen, his words. So that wasn't about I'm not going to live forever. That was about saying, I don't want to die young. But when you take Brian's cancer into consideration and you think about how he just got a clean bill of health from um, the oncologist, mm-hmm. uh, he's realizing that it does. It still doesn't mean he's invulnerable and he's not going to live forever. 
even if now he wants to live for as long as possible. So it's like they're similar lessons, but they're two different lessons that he that he learns. Uh, so Brian's having all these epiphanies about time and the fact that he doesn't know how much of it he or anyone else around him has left. And that really makes you take a minute to think about what's important and how you want to spend the days that you do have. So that shock on Brian's face when he sees that it's not Michael there in the casket is Brian realizing that it very well could have been him. He could have died from the bombing or a million of the other things that threaten our very delicate lives every day. And that realization is coming after season four, where he realized that he didn't want that to happen anytime soon. Um, the way I interpret it was that was the death of the old Brian, the old ideologies, because like we said, the last of the um, at the very end of the last episode, we saw Brian do something that we never like I would have bet money. Brian would have never uttered those words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I love you. And, like, looking at you, like, as in, I'm in love with you. Not yeah. like, oh, girl, I love you. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> I love you. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, him going to that funeral, and when he made it up to the casket, yes, it was about Michael, but when he made it up to the casket and it was him, he was putting to rest the, all those old things that Brian would have done. The Brian who doesn't believe in love. The Brian who never wants to be married or wants to have a relationship. Just that Brian that yeah. everyone thinks they know. That's mm -hmm. who he is, you know? It was putting to bed that. And then... When Michael touched him on the shoulder, it was just a reassurance of, hey, this is what I have to live for. Seeing himself in the casket and then him waking up, that was a realization of, that's dead and gone. This is the rebirth of me. I got to do what I need to do to be happy. I need to be there for the ones who love me, who I know for a fact shows up day in and day out for me. Let me get it together. It's not necessarily that you have to change. You have to be willing to accept that you evolve, the world evolves, yes. the people around you evolve. And so... I want to be very careful with that because I feel like some people are like, you can't force Brian to change. No, I'm not making him change. Brian no. has naturally started to heal and grow and this change. This is his own thing. And evolve. And it's just like, just give into it. I mean, it just got to the point where, I mean, as you get older, you're not the same as you are when you're 20. When you're 30, right. you're not the same as when you're 20. When you're 35, you're not the same when you were 30, you mm -hmm. know? And then traumatic events like this, I mean, they do spark those type of conversations mm -hmm. from within. I mean, I think that just was like a light bulb, like nothing is, is guaranteed on this earth. Mm -hmm. I got to take advantage this time. So I'm, I never once, I mean, well, that's a lie. In a couple of seasons ago, I did say, I just want Brian to change. But once <laughs> I started loving Brian and understanding him, getting through his character, you know, yeah. I wouldn't want him to change because that, that's just who Brian is. Right. You know? But he's making these own, he's, he's doing these changes. Right. I'm like, all for his, his natural yeah, evolution, though. Absolutely. I'm all for that. And then I think it's happening because outside stimulus but it's, that outside stimulus is not demanding a result it's just you can't help but evolve when things around you are changing exactly so, yeah uh, well over at the hospital debbie and ben have not left they are holding it together but i'm sure the word barely is appropriate <laughs> uh, justin and emmett are there with them justin's pretty calm but emmett is pacing around until debbie tells him to knock it off I barely recognized Emmett. Like, his attire is such a contrast to what he normally wears. And um, at first I was like, are those Drew's clothes he's wearing? <laughs> but, um, yeah, as soon as Emmett sits down, Debbie jumps up wanting an update. Ben is trying to get everyone to chill. But I think it's because his nerves are so frayed. Justin offers to go get something from the cafeteria for Debbie, probably just as a distraction for her. But she declines Sunshine's offer. She is wondering if something is wrong and that's what's causing the delay. But Ben doesn't want her to go there. He's like, no, don't even, don't go there. Yeah, don't manifest any of those type yeah. of thoughts. Like, let's keep it happy, upbeat. Thoughts and words really, they're like spells. Like, I don't even want to say any yeah. of that. We're uh, going to keep it peaceful. 
it's really interesting to see Ben be the one having to fight so hard to stay calm and keep his own peace. Usually he's the one trying to keep everyone else level-headed and trying to like say mm-hmm. positive things to everyone else. But here he is so fragile that he can't handle anyone or anything that might push him off of this very narrow edge that he's standing well, on. Well, he can't afford to lose anything else. Hunter left. Mm-hmm. That's the head. Okay. And now you're telling me potentially my husband, my, my life partner, is gone too. He can't afford to lose anything else. Yeah. Like, I mean, his sanity is like on the edge. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. for real. One <laughs> little, on a hair trigger. Baby, I'm for real. One little sneeze and it's over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Brian comes in and his eyes do a quick inventory and status check of his people there in the waiting room. Debbie tells him that they don't have an update and Justin says they're still waiting. Debbie wants to know if Carl said anything. And Brian sits next to her and says, he said that he loves you and that he wishes he was here. Now, we have no proof that Carl told Brian to say that, but Brian knows it's true anyway. And he knows that Debbie needs to hear it. Yeah, because I was like, the girl said that? Because yeah. that was sweet. It was sweet. He's very sweet this episode. Anyway, and he lays all that sweet stuff out there before he tells them that it was a bomb. Debbie wants to know what kind of sick person would do that. And Justin says, the kind who went to Matthew Shepard's funeral and held up signs that said, your son is burning in hell. The kind who would drive down Liberty Avenue with bullhorns shouting their hate slogans. The kind that support Proposition 14. I would add the kind who are still trying to enforce sodomy laws in 2022. Uh, Basically, anyone who takes it upon themselves to try to condemn and correct the behavior of someone else. There's a kid changing the channel on the TV in the waiting area. And of course, on one of the channels, there's an explosion. And it's unrelated, but it's still triggering enough to Emmett to make him have to get up and leave. Yeah, PTSD is real. Yeah, I mean, this, very real. This just happened to them hours before. Right. I think It any hadn't type been a of, full day. Yeah, not not at all. So I think any any type of noise that's, that's like that, um, any type of explosions, I mean, that's going to be triggering for, for a while. I'm not saying just saying for today or tomorrow. For a while. That's something you're going to have to always work through, knowing that your life was at risk. And I mean, something you're always going to think about. It's almost like the character, uh, I don't remember his name, but it was Ted's date that night. Lewis. Lewis. It took Lewis all that um, therapy, all that work just to come out. And when he did come out, you saw yeah. what happened, mm-hmm. you know? So we know we never seeing Lewis again. No. I mean, <laughs> we're never going to see Lewis. Like, no, no, no. His mama won't even see him. No like, one who does not live in his home <laughs> is going to ever see Lewis again. Period. Okay. Yeah. I hope they had DoorDash and Uber Eats back then. I sure do, because that's the only way he's going to survive. <laughs> yeah. Period. A doctor comes in to give an update, and Ben is up in a flash. They had to remove Michael's spleen, and they were able to stop the internal bleeding. They are cautiously optimistic, but they think that he will be fine, which is great news um, to us. There is um, an instant, if slightly cautious, relief. Justin is near tears. Debbie thanks God for responding to her threat. Um, ben, <laughs> ben wants to see his husband. Um, but Michael needs to rest and recover, so the doctor tells him to go home and um, and do the same. Right. Rest and recover themselves. Justin tries to get them to do that, but Ben doesn't want to leave, and neither does Debbie. Ryan tells Ben that he better listen to what Debbie says, because God did. And I love that very small little exchange between Ryan and Debbie there. Like, he gives her a lot in that very simple statement, mm-hmm. and she takes it all in based on that little smile. And the light that kind of enters her eyes there. Because Debbie, you know, she doesn't want to let, she doesn't tell Ben, hey, yo, I trump you because I'm the mom. I know. But, you, yeah. This whole episode, there's yeah. just like little tension. I there. know. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm the husband. Well, I'm the mom. <laughs> so Brian coming in and just putting an extra little point on Debbie without also but not shading Ben 
it was what was needed. She was going to be there no matter what. So yeah. there was nothing Ben could have said to make Debbie leave that hospital, period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like, so I'm glad Brian actually said that. So uh, I kind of yeah. saw it as, in a way, him respecting her faith, but also him kind of giving her something that makes her feel like she did something to contribute yeah. to Michael's recovery. True, 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 true. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay is home in the kitchen with Melanie and Jr. and Gus. Someone calls to give them an update on Michael and tells them that they are expecting a full recovery on him, so they're very happy about that. At some point, we might talk about what would have happened if Michael didn't make it, um, and maybe that'll come up at some point. I don't know. But I'll put a pin in that, and then we might revisit it Um yeah, and we'll also discuss why it had to be Michael from a storytelling standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Melanie tells Lindsay that she realized something when she woke up this morning. Remember, their whole little family was in bed together. She yes. realized that she wants to see Lindsay's face first thing every day for the rest of her life. And Lindsay <laughs> feels the same. Oh, my God. Like, I, that's like a weight off my shoulders. Like, that felt so good. Although I was enjoying Lindsay being Lindsay and standing up and having that backbone and being argumentative and fighting, it was sexy to me. Like, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. But also, I just, I hated to see those two fighting. Because one thing I could count, I could count, I could always count on was that they were going to have these knockdown, drag ass arguments, but for somehow, some reason, they would always find themselves back. And it was home. And, um, and that, that really felt like a, a true home. And then, you know, we had all this bickering over the, the kids and the cheating. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they finally made it home. And they realize that life is too short. No one's perfect. It's always going to be something in life. Life is going to throw those damn curveballs, you know. Yeah. But either you're going to duck, you know what I'm saying, or you're going to swing for the fences, you know. <laughs> and and I'm glad they're going to actually take that swing and they're going to try it again. Like, that made me scream. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the things that I was like, yeah, I think I got what I needed. Like, I needed that. Mm-hmm. That was it was good. I kind of go back and forth on them sometimes, but I do love that. This is something that brought them back mm-hmm. together. I will I will say that they kind of get lost in each other's eyes in the kitchen and the kids are starving. <laughs> Poor starving. JR. Starving. <laughs> JR, okay. She was gonna snatch that spoon. She sure was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This seems overnight, but it wasn't overnight. They both separately came to the realization that they still loved each other and wanted to be together, but they hadn't communicated that to one to mm-hmm. each other. Even though they had the same desire. They just, because they hadn't said it, they weren't on the same page, even though they did want the same thing. So it wasn't overnight. Like, they got a second chance, not just at life, but at this marriage. And when something comes back to you, you treat it with care and the priority that it deserves. Mm -hmm. So I think this is another thing, going back to that collateral beauty that I talked about in the beginning, that can come from, from tragedy. I think what we see with them is something like that. Uh, Melanie and Lindsay decide to stop by the hospital, and Melanie calls to see if Dusty can keep the kids. She offered to watch them whenever. Well, when Melanie calls, we find out that Dusty was one of the fatalities. Oh, no. That's terrible news. She leaves behind her wife and her very young children. Also, if Melanie didn't forget her phone in the car and Lindsay didn't wait outside for her, they would have been standing together with Dusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could have been one or both of them. Mm-hmm. Who met the same fate. I mean, it's just it's crazy. It just, ooh, just fate and just how it works. I you know. know just like a random <laughs> yeah. second can yes. save somebody's life or Some... a random like, oh, I forgot this. And that's yeah, exactly. why, you know, my mom always says it. And so if I'm driving somewhere or whatever and there's an accident that slows us down, she's like, you never know what that's saving you from. And mm-hmm. I know some people are like, oh, don't be all like woo-woo, whatever about junk like that. But you don't ever yeah, know what don't. that is saving you from. Like yeah. times when I forget something at the house and I have to turn around and come back and I'm frustrated about it. Like you don't know what 
you missed mm-hmm. by doing that. So it's scary. Like yeah, within like a few because they were only going to the car for a few seconds mm-hmm. and back. I mean, well, we'll just say a minute or two. Within that minute or two, I mean, all hell broke loose. And, I mean, we lost several people. Like, it was just, it's insane. That, that split second saved the whole family. Yeah, and if you don't think they're going, they're not going to say, our lives came down to literally a minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't think that that's going to make them be like, okay, what matters, what's important? Right. Let me say everything I need to say. hmm Brian and Cynthia arrive at Kinetic. Cynthia is telling Brian that she is thankful for her mother's congestive heart failure. Speaking of things yeah, that, you know, because, that saved yeah, if it hadn't have been for her needing to be there with her mom, she would have been at Babylon. Brian wants to know if everyone is present and accounted for. And he's not asking as their boss. He's asking because he's thinking most, if not all of his employees were there. Were there. Yeah. And he wants to know that everyone is OK. Only one is missing. Phil from the art department. He was trampled and ended up with a broken hip. He'll be out for a month, but he will survive. Brian says that he'll give him a call and send him some food and some porn, the, the basic essentials. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Ted is surprised to see him there and not home sleeping, but Brian said he tried and it was a no-go. Yeah. Ted has already called the insurance company and spoken with three contractors, and they are all submitting bids. Uh, the inspector is checking the building structure, so he's like, He's working it. at yeah. BZB. Yeah. Brian thinks he's forgetting something and is like to ask how Michael is. And Brian tells him that he made it through surgery and he's going to be all right. And I think Brian is generally pretty perceptive to people's pain. Uh, he can tell like something is up with Ted. Um, but it's too soon to ask. Well, yeah, he's going to give him the space yeah. to to like deal with that or whatever. But he's still going to try to like, give him what he needs. Same as what he did with, with Debbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Brian's emotions are very close to the surface right now. And I think they usually are, but... He uh, hides them a little well. Well, he had that armor, you yeah, know? Uh-huh. Um, I think he feels things very deeply, but they're all usually protected by that armor that he always wears. Well, that armor was cracked and shattered Baby. by Brian himself last episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, he yeah. ripped that shit off. It was like a breakaway. Because he let Justin right on in. Yeah. And when you let yourself feel your own feelings, it's a little bit easier to see when other people are battling with their own. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why he is so, we get to see a whole different color of him that's been there, but mm-hmm. it's been a duller shade of it. And we get to see it pretty vibrantly. We've been talking about, we've talked about that, I think, on each season. About how Brian was that onion and we peel back, we peel back, and then his colors are just getting brighter and brighter. I mean, we're now they're in full glow. Last episode and this episode, we really get to see the true Brian Kenny. The side of him that the world has never really seen. Only a, cer- a select few, which I'm pretty sure Michael probably been privy Got to that side. Yeah, glimpses. And, and Justin, you know. But Justin didn't even get the full view, um, full view right. I think until he, now. Yeah, he knew more of it was there, but he was like, right. Brian's, you he's know, never if, gonna he, tap if he's into not going to choose to show it, yeah. then yeah. Brian tells said to put everything else on hold and head down to the hospital, but. Yeah, I think about this alongside season two when everyone was telling Brian to go visit Justin at the hospital and he wouldn't listen to them. Like, well, we know he did, but nobody knows Right, right. But guilt was the primary thing keeping Brian from going. He felt like it was his fault, and so he didn't deserve to go and be there Mm -hmm. for for Justin. His love for Justin pulled him to the hospital anyway, Mm -hmm. um, but still there was the guilt. Uh, so Brian may not know all that's happening in Ted's mind, but he knows something is up because he can relate. Yes. Even if it's not the exact same thing, uh-huh. he's like, I, yeah. I recognize this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, Ted chooses to go back to work. And also, that's very common, too, though. That's very common to go back to work. And I'm to the just, person. Yeah. I can't deal with it right now. Uh, exactly. So I'm just going to keep life as Do, normal exactly. until I can deal with it. That's, that's exactly me, too. Or I, until I mean, it just, like, it. catches it, up to, to me yeah, and I can't. it has to catch me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it has to, like, get a hold of me, you mm-hmm. know? But, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not knocking the way that he's dealing with his trauma. Yeah, we all have our own way to yeah. process mm-hmm. things. Over in Ben's classroom, his students are talking about what happened. They talk about it being an, the act of some lunatic or Jerry Falwell, who was a very well-known and very outspoken pastor and conservative activist at the time. Ben comes in and he calls an audible on the planned lecture. He thinks they should focus on how to respond to hate crimes and acts of violence. One student says we should do to them what they do to us, but another student challenges that. An eye for an eye just leads to more blind fools running around. Mm-hmm. And then they bring up, okay, is retaliation stooping to their level? Like, is that what you consider what happened at Stonewall, them stooping to their level? Ben doesn't disagree that freedom has to be fought for, but he believes that the weapon should be reason and compassion. And this is an age-old debate, and I don't think that there's a simple answer or solution it's to not. it. Uh, But Ben's students call out the privilege that he has and how he can afford the enlightened way because he teaches at a university, makes a good salary. He could pass for straight if he wanted or needed to. Like some people, the way that they naturally express or present themselves. Emmett being example. Yeah, like they, it's a little bit harder for them to feel like Ben in this because they just naturally get attacked every time they go somewhere. And they tell Ben that that puts him in a protected bubble. They uh, consider Ben to be pretty removed from the reality of all of this. But Ben tells them that his husband was critically injured in the bombing. And if he lives in a bubble, it just burst. So what are your thoughts on that conversation? The like, how do we respond? Yeah, I'm torn on it because um, the first instinct that I have when someone attacks like this is like an eye for an eye. Like, I, I want to do the exact same shit you did to me. Maybe not go and blow something up, but right. I want to go, I wanna go kick some innocence, ass. Yeah. But yeah. I want to kick some ass. If I find out who did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to kick some ass. Like, I'm not I'm not going to take out a whole group of mm-hmm. people or anything like that, but I, I, I want some physical retaliation. I want something to happen. You, you know? get a little Cody in Yeah, you. yeah, you feel me? A little Cody. Yeah, yeah. for real. I do. Yeah. I want a little pink posse. Not the whole posse, just a little pink, a yeah. little bit of it. You yeah, know? maybe not the whole t-shirt, but a yeah, little bandana. Yeah, a little bandana. Yeah. A little bandana worth. So I, I kind of do. But at the same time, me personally, as a person who I am naturally and normally, I'm always the type of person who, let's talk about this rationally first. You know, maybe we can work this out. Let me give you a glimpse into my life and then you can see the walk that I'm walking through, the good that I'm still giving and, and, and doing. Although we don't have the same views, but we can we're we're the same. We're people. Yeah, maybe you, know? you can learn to respect me as a human being. Exactly. You, you don't I don't care what you think about my lifestyle, but respect me as a human being. Yes. So I agree with Ben when he says it needs to be reason and compassion, because you gotta have compassion for people who you guys gotta have compassion for people in general, period. Especially for those who don't understand what you're going through and they're passing judgment on you, you still wanna have that same compassion um for them. Because it's all a coachable teaching moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to have reason. You have to think logically. You have to be reasonable, a reasonable person and, and have good insight and try to coach and teach them to see where you're coming from. So, I mean, I feel there is not a simple way. Like, I think yeah. you're going to go, when stuff like this happens, you go through different phases. You go through the angry phase where you want to get physical. You want to attack. And then as the days go on, you get to, okay, now, how can we actually put this into, into a conversation where we can get our, our voices heard because fighting ain't gonna get your voices heard. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be you have to be calm, you have to be collected, you have to be able to articulate your exact thoughts. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's never a simple reason. It, you go through levels of emotions. You're gonna go through all of them. You so, do, yeah. And I think that I totally get the side that is like we fighting back. Yeah, though, yeah. Like, you know? I, 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 
I've had enough and I'm fighting back. Like, I totally get yeah. that, too, because there have been situations in our history where nothing was going to change unless people made it change. True. And it wasn't just, like, peacefully doing whatever. Right, it yeah. was like, nah. No, like I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. an we eye for an eye. Out yeah, here. we are part, shaking tables. I'm shaking them, baby, and <laughs> yeah. snatching tablecloths. So I mean, you yeah. let me know. I like this conversation because no matter which side you stand on, retaliatory violence or nonviolence, there are still like these people are still afflicted by the same enemy, mm-hmm. and they have that in common. So instead of separating over the approach, we can unite under acknowledging that this is happening to us as a community. Yes. And so prevent the splinter and then plan the approach. Yes. Oh, I love that. That was great. Emmett is home on the couch uh, watching Detour. Drew comes downstairs, so I'm guessing he's back at the house, not at the hotel, and probably just... Yeah, and he, you know he's back at the house when he comes down those stairs. Yeah. Like, all comfortable, natural, like, hey, man, <laughs> yeah, let me go to the fridge. Let me get yeah, some. just pull... You yeah. don't just open anybody's refrigerator, you know I mean? yeah. Like, no, that's home. Yeah. Okay, like, that's home. <laughs> and they ain't even been together a long time, so, I mean, like, Lord, you gave me some good D back in the gap, but then you only came back for two weeks, boo. And you already moved in, opened the fridge. Hell, yeah. I'm living with somebody. You're trying to get <laughs> us the boot. Okay, like, uh-uh. But no, it was good seeing him, like, there, yes, though. Yes, yes. Um, and I think it's good that, that they are there together because Drew was alone. Yeah. Like, that, holed up yeah. in that hotel alone. Mm-hmm. So this is actually really good. He invites Emmett to go running with him. That's what makes him feel better when he's going through something. Exercise makes him feel better. And I like that he is the one trying to offer comfort to Emmett because Emmett has been doing that most of their whole yes whatever you want to call the situation yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Emmett tells a story about when he was a little boy and the world was when the world was dark and gloomy Aunt Lula would make him vanilla pudding with maple syrup ill um, <laughs> <laughs> so that is what he's on the couch eating in a large bowl there Drew tells him that he has been asked to speak at the candlelight vigil and. Emmett assumes that he turned it down, but Drew actually said, yes, this has nothing to do with being gay or straight. It's about being a human being. Facts. And I think that's what people ultimately have to understand. Like having a identifying or differentiating label doesn't dilute the fact that you are a human Mm -hmm. and you deserve rights and protections and the respect that should come with that. Absolutely. Like it doesn't matter what your label is important. The way you identify is important, but that should not dilute the fact that you are still human. Absolutely. Drew invites Emmett to come with him to the vigil, but Emmett is not interested. He prefers to stay home with his pudding. All I want to know is, did he write any of these Aunt Lula sayings? Because, I mean, Aunt Lula has the best sayings. <laughs> I know. There's one she said <laughs> last episode, I think, or the one before, that I'm going to hang on my wall. I can't shoot you for asking because I always need to remind myself that. <laughs> yes, no, for real. <laughs> yeah. For real. Like, I mean, she gives the best advice. She got the best little food tricks to make you happy when you're down. Aunt Lula was fierce. For yeah. real. Like, girl, I love her down here in the in the Mississippi. But that's all. That's what I love. But in this in this scene, it's, it's like you said, Emmett was the one always giving um, Drew the advice, trying to uplift him. It, it was a good change to see Drew paying it back to him and paying it forward. Like, hey, I know this happened, but we got to get you back up on your feet because you clearly can see that he's depressed. He's sad. He's scared. Like all the emotions that are running, they're still high. He doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But and Drew knows that's not Emmett. He back to the pilot. Yeah, we the keep pilot. going back yes. to the pilot with Emmett. Exactly. So um, I love that Drew is there to. To encourage him. That's what I loved. Uh, I liked in the scene, Carl comes in and like that he's like, men? (laughs) (laughs) I like that this is just like a normal family arrangement, you know, with them. And Carl does overhear 
the conversation between Drew and Emmett, but he chooses not to comment. But, you know, he's got an opinion on it. Yeah. Debbie is at Michael's bedside and Ben walks in. Their deal was to take turns, but Debbie still has not left. Ben offers to go get Debbie some soup, which I like because that's what she um brought as an olive branch to Ben. You know, yes. when she finally accepted him uh, mm-hmm. and got over her junk, her her own fears and issues. That's what she, that was kind of the olive branch the soup was. Debbie says that the last time Michael was in the hospital, he was eight and he needed his tonsils out. He was scared, so she brought him a little, bought him a little light and turned it on before he went into surgery, telling him that it would keep him safe. And then Michael speaks. Oh, my God. <laughs> asking after his light, yes. his little flashlight. Oh. They were so happy to hear Michael's voice. They tell him that the doctor said he's going to be fine. Michael wants to know what happened, and Debbie can't wait to turn up in Girl, the room. <laughs> I'm like, Debbie, the boy just, he took his first breath. Well, not first breath, but first words <laughs> two seconds ago, and you over here filling him in on all the tea. She yeah. re- Baby, Debbie is on 20. She yeah. ready, okay? Ben diffuses the situation. Like, come on, Debbie, come on. No, not right uh, now. That, that look on his face is like, hold up. Michael doesn't need to worry about any of that right now. Debbie sends Ben to go get her soup, which is probably a veiled request. So she can um, go ahead and spill the tea anyway. Yeah, and just have some alone time with her Mm -hmm. son. And we brought this up earlier. You can tell there's like this silent battle of who's going to be the one at his side. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time they've been showing them, they've been intentional about showing one on each side, but... You can see, like, mm-hmm. okay, if he ever have some other kind of emergency, <laughs> we going to, yeah, yes. butt heads. <laughs> I'm letting you know now, okay? Yeah, well, and you just hope that Brian doesn't still have the POA document. Yeah. Because that was sure enough to be a mess. <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> but I do feel like Ben is being pretty respectful, though, because he could demand that, like, no, Debbie, this is my role now. So I feel like he's being pretty respectful of her. He gets that she is his mother, and he's really just happy that Michael is awake and apparently going to be okay. True. So, well, really, he would need to be nice to Debbie because legally, that's not his husband, so all the all the shit goes through Debbie. Yeah, well, depending on what that or, paperwork says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe Melanie Which now if he, she's the baby mama. Well, no, because, no, if um, Michael made a comment about losing the insurance that he has under Ben's oh, yeah. job, so mm-hmm. I would assume that yeah, his okay, stuff yeah. is in Ben's mm-hmm. name now. Got it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume. Well, Ben runs off to get the soup, and when he opens the door, Hunter is standing there. Another oh. screaming moment, okay? <laughs> Again, this is another part. This this episode, yeah. this, it had finale the vibes whole, on it. The whole episode was yes. one or both of us screaming. passing out over like, something. <laughs> girl, I feel like a little fangirl. Like, I have never once in my life thought I would be screaming over Hunter. Like, yeah, to see Hunter. Yeah, yeah, that just made my heart so full. Like, he came home to check on his parents. He was, and he looks good and healthy. Yeah, like, not and, like he was yeah. out there scrapping. No, like, yeah. I mean, he looks good and he, he showed up. Oh, I just, I just can't. I got a big ass smile on my face. See, yeah. I'm cussing, I'm cussing. <laughs> I got a big ass smile on my face. That was, that was like the heartwarming moment because that was unexpected. I just knew he was done for the season. Like, he done for the show. It's gone. Yeah. The fact that he, they brought him back and, and he came right to the hospital. He was there. He didn't call anybody, say I was coming. Like, he, he was just coming to show up his, and show his love and support. Oh, that just got me. It got me. Yeah. I had chills all over my body. 
Well, Brian is at Justin's place for the first time. He loves how Justin kept the original details, the rusty pipes, the filthy windows, the <laughs> grime-covered walls. And Brian is a mess. A mess, okay. <laughs> a mess. But he got to shade him. You know what I'm saying? I think so. He, he like, has to, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. What like, this place got that my place ain't yeah, got. Yeah, <laughs> that part, okay? Yeah. Go ahead and pack your shit back up and come on home. Yeah, baby. but I like that Justin is not embarrassed, nor does he apologize for his place. Like, no. it's his, and it's doing what he needs it to do. So. And to be honest, hit me, like, earlier, I was like, ooh, baby, the shanty looked better. Um, he he brought that bitch together though. He, he did. did. He really pulled it together with all the He's artwork. His, yeah, all his art on yeah. the walls. Yeah, it, it got a homey feel to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't feel like just a big open lofty space anymore. It actually kind of feels like a home and or or a work studio because I mean he has so many beautiful paintings up. Mm-hmm. I mean it just trans it transformed that ugly. Na- <laughs> it was ugly and nasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was a little rundown. Yeah, so yeah, maybe that was a teardown, okay? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm proud of it. It's his, you know? Yeah. And Brian can't do anything but respect that this is Justin's and he did it on his own and he got this. This is for him, so. Yeah. He gonna shade him, but he also proud. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Justin says it may not be the country manner of his dreams with stables and a pool, but at least it's his. Brian stops his tour and looks at Justin and he stopped by to see if Justin was all right. Justin says he's fine. Um, Brian's happy to hear that. He thought if anyone could come through this unruffled, it would be Justin. Justin says that when he was bashed, he learned the best way to go on was to make something. Justin eventually got to that point, but it was a journey. He didn't start out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He tried to, but the lingering effects of a TBI made that very hard for him. So it took a while, but he did start creating again. Mm -hmm. And so I think that eventually this did become true for him. Uh, creating something is a way to prove to yourself and to them that they didn't get you, he says, that you're still here. Brian grabs a paint cover at Justin and pulls him in and says that he's glad he's still here. He's not worried about getting paint on his suit because nothing else really matters. Didn't Justin hear what he said to him last night? Mm-hmm. Uh, the smile on Brian's face right here yes. when he is like, so happy that he was able to get those words yes. out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's very proud of himself. Like, he is. I, I said it. Like, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. You know? uh, and he is so hopeful that it will bridge that gap between right. them two, I think. Like, kind of bridge them back together. Justin absolutely heard Brian say that he loved him. But Justin already knew that to be true. So he's not really sure what yeah. that should change. Brian says, then how about marrying me? Girl, I did. <laughs> he almost cussed me out, Girl. y'all. Girl. <laughs> he caught himself. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Like, literally. Like, literally, I died. Yeah. Went to heaven and came back. Came back, back yeah. Okay? And I was like, did he say what I think he said? Like, he I know. Said it. He didn't say it. Like, I know he didn't say it. Like, yeah. blown away. Yeah. Blown away. I passed out for, like, five years yeah. and then woke back up. For real. <laughs> yeah. That shy smile, like shy hidden smile on Brian's face when he when he asks him, like it just sends me to the moon. Uh, it takes Justin a minute to even process the words that have come out of Brian's mouth. And then he laughs and he tells Brian to stop being ridiculous. Brian is adamant that he's not being ridiculous. And he looks a bit affronted by the fact that Justin would suggest that he is. Uh, he says he means it and he looks pretty serious and sincere. But Justin says, no, you don't. How could Mr. I believe in other stuff um not love mean it he said justin says you detest marriage you detest anybody who enters into an imitation heterosexual union that by its very nature is destined to fail uh that's what justin has heard brian say for five yeah. years so no surprise he got it work perfect <laughs> but brian says he has changed his mind well so has justin he would have liked to marry brian but now he has no intention of marrying someone who 
by his very nature, is doomed to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin says that Brian's only asking because he's freaked out by what happened to Michael. And you can see on Brian's face that he's trying to decide how much of that is true. Because I think he immediately wants to say, no, that's not it. But then he's thinking about it. But he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because he didn't come to that realization until something traumatic like this happened. So, I mean, a little bit of that is true. Like, we all, yeah. like, we know that he loves Justin. We know that if, if he actually believed in, like, marriage, he would have been and said, hey, let's get married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because that's how strong their love is. But it took something like this to say, hey, fuck it. I need to, I need to go ahead and wife you up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He tells Justin about the dream he had about being at Michael's funeral, but Michael wasn't the one in the coffin. He was. And Justin's like, okay, good. yeah, that's confirmation that you're just kind of freaking out right now. As soon as life returns to normal, so will Brian. He'll be back from the dead. Without hesitation, Brian says, not without you. And again, he reaches for Justin. I think Brian is very honest and sincere in saying he, he doesn't want his life to return to anything that Justin isn't a part of. Right. And... He has made a decision, and that decision is that he wants to spend his life with Justin. He's like, okay, this is what I decided. That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, Justin's like, I know, you, I know you too well, way too well. Thank you for saying what you said, but but no. I bet a lot of people are mad at Justin. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at Justin. I'm not either that. at all. If you want to be a true storyteller, it would be stupid for Justin. We know how Justin characters are already set up. So it'd be stupid for Justin just to be like, yeah, oh my God, no. Mm-hmm. He's Justin, smarter than that, yeah. and he knows Brian better than exactly. that. Exactly. Justin wouldn't go for that. And like you said, he knows Brian better than, better than that. So I think he needs to challenge that, and he doesn't need to just jump right into it. It didn't seem normal. You know, it, it just sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I stand with Justin. Although, I'm like, bitch, get your man. I know. We were like, yeah. okay, he should just say yes for like a day. Yeah. And be like, okay, that was fun and yeah. cool and Let cute. Let me think about but, it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to come back with the real answer later. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, like, it makes sense for Justin to say no. It makes sense, Justin, to tell him to regurgitate all the things Brian has said over the years, you know. I mean, Brian has said this stuff with conviction. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. I mean. You <laughs> has have... mocked you yes. for thinking otherwise. Exactly. He and his friend of, of his whole entire life, they're not even friends at, at the moment because of some shit like this. You know, mm-hmm. like, so, no. Like, I mean, it, make, it makes sense. So, I, I don't see, I don't understand why people would be mad at Justin's decision. I mean, it was the only logical decision, the conclusion to make, you know? Like, yeah, I understand why he said yeah. But I just want to say big up to Brian for actually taking that step, mm-hmm. stepping out. I mean, he on the edge, and he don't even put himself out like that. I mean, Brian only goes for sure bets, you know, like something he knows he's going to win. This is a vulnerable moment. He said, I love you. Uh, when things go back to normal, it won't be normal unless I'm normal with you. You know, like all those little things. Like, that's Brian, like... There is no more onion. That shit is chopped up, dice cooked. Like, there is no <laughs> more minced. onion. Yeah, but it's mince. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There yeah. is no more onion. Like, it is gone. It's over. Like, Brian is just glowing. He, he, he's he's out. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, my heart breaks a little for Brian because he is doing something so out of his element. He loves Justin. He's trying to figure out what to do about that. He proposes, but Justin turns him down. So, my heart does break a little bit for him. But I really respect what Justin does here, though. Like, last night, Brian was headed to gay Mardi Gras in Sydney, and today he's proposing. Yeah, for real, (laughs) though. And when Justin says, yeah, I heard what you said, he wasn't dismissing Brian's declaration. He was freeing Brian from thinking that there was any obligation or Mm -hmm. expectation tied to those words. Mm -hmm. Like, Justin knows that Brian loves him. He already knew that before last night. I think he wants Brian to know that it's okay for those words to be true and them to still not be together if... They aren't heading in the same direction. It's right. like, that's fine. Like, because we love each other doesn't mean a certain thing has to happen. Facts. Whatever. He doesn't want to hold Brian to something that he offers in a moment of fear. 
I love that he doesn't want to take advantage of Brian because he totally he totally could. Mm-hmm. It's not that he wouldn't wouldn't want that, but Justin believes that Brian is scared and panicking. So it's like if this was a sincere offer, yeah, maybe, but you're just I feel like you're freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not going to let Brian make major life decisions like that when his head is not clear. And so he says no to protect Brian in a way, I feel like. And he's not even expecting anything to come from Brian telling him that he that he loves him. There are no demands or obligations placed on, on any of that. And he's not going to let Brian sign himself up for something that he's been adamantly opposed to and that he might come to regret. It's mm-hmm. like, no. I think had this conversation come up organically between them, then they would have been able to continue the discussion. But because it came up the way it did and at the time it did, Justin's like, no, we're Mm -hmm. not doing that. Well, back at the hospital, it turns out that Hunter has been at Disney World. Um, When he was a kid, Hunter always wanted his mom to take him there, but she never did. So he took himself. He hitched his way there, but did not perform any (laughs) services to... uh, Pay the drivers. <laughs> Hashtag growth. Okay. Yeah, they are so proud of their good boy. Uh, the nurse is like, what reality TV show is this? <laughs> I don't really know what Hunter's intentions or goals were, but I like that he got to do something that he missed out on as a kid. Yeah. Like, he has had to grow up so fast, and so much of his childhood was stolen from him, and he was starting to get a little bit of that back, being with Ben and Michael, but then everything happened and he lost it again. Well, that's just it. He was he was kind of thrown into the prostitution world by his mom, you know, as a kid. And then he contracted, you know, HIV. So, I mean, like, everything has been out of his out of his control. Him leaving, him getting a job, him going down to Disney World, those things that he wanted to do, those mm-hmm. things that he chose to do. Um, so, to me, it was like him taking the bull by the horns, taking his life back. I'm yeah. going to take myself to a place of, like, childlike wonder, something I never got to have mm-hmm. or experience. I'm going to go get that for myself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I kind of love that. If he was going to run away, that's what he went to do. Yeah. Well, he didn't even run away. He just left. So, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he didn't have to run. Yeah, no. He was straight up like, okay, bag is packed. I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah, that yeah. part. But wait, what happened? If he's the legal guardian of them, if they Oh, were... yeah, so they were really supposed to report that, yeah. and he would have been picked up because like, right? he's a ward of the state. That's what I thought, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, y'all really just jeopardized y'all own Yeah, because I don't think they've officially adopted him yet. Well, they can't right now, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they couldn't. Mm. Uh, Hunter worked as a as a dwarf at Disney World. He was dopey. He said he was pretty good at it. So now he thinks he may want to be an actor. I can see Hunter acting. You mm-hmm. know, in the life that he's had to live, he's had to be a lot of things to a lot of people. So Absolutely. I can see him jumping into a character. You know? Yeah, I can too. <laughs> yeah. Eli and Monty did one good thing. They are the ones who told Hunter what happened and that Michael was in the hospital. So they did one good thing. Yeah, they did. And I'm glad that he was able to call them. Like, he had numbers to call to reach out. And that makes me feel good, too, that although he left home, he still had ways to reaching people. Like, he didn't leave just without without taking numbers down. I'm glad he was smart enough to actually remember these numbers and call people. Yeah, so big ups to Eli and Monty. (laughs) I mean, only a little ups. Not big ups, little ups. Little ups. (laughs) Ups, okay. Yeah, just ups. (laughs) Emmett is still on the couch eating pudding and watching Sorry, Wrong Number. Uh, The part about a lady being too afraid to leave her house really appeals to him. Carl invites Emmett to go to the hospital with him, but he doesn't want to overwhelm Michael with visitors. Carl is a pretty good detective because he knows that Emmett is lying. Emmett confesses that the thought of leaving the house terrifies him. He is in shock, and every noise frightens him. He's kind of triggered by everything. Carl answers a quick call, probably from Debbie, and tells her that he's on the way. But first, he tells Emmett a story. 
Emmett's usually the storyteller, so I like that Carl is using this approach to to reach him. He tells him about a young kid on the force uh, who didn't just want to be a cop. He wanted to be super cop. Uh, his first day on the beat, he was dealing with a run-of-the-mill domestic issue. And suddenly, the husband takes out a gun, shoots the wife and the child right in front of this new young cop terrible situation. Well, the next day, super cop can't get out of bed, can't move his arms and legs. Emmett knows the feeling, he says. The super cop just lies there until he has a brilliant realization. Bad things happen. And you can't always prevent them. You can just live your life each day. That's all you have. That's all you have control over. Mm-hmm. And with that realization, Supercop, aka Carl, finally got out of bed and went to work. And ever since then, he always thanks God for one more day and prays that he doesn't waste it. I love Carl coming through and being the father figure that they all need. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> no, Carl really showed up on the real. Like I've always liked him from. The, okay, I ain't gonna say always, but. <laughs> From, we, well, once we started, yes, once we started liking him, yes, we once liked we started him. liking him, I, I liked him. I knew that he was going to be a good addition to Debbie, and he would pick up the slack where when she she doesn't have it because normally Debbie's going to give us the speeches, the talk. She's going to come up with the what, what's that? She show up with the, uh, tuna, the tuna salad, the tuna casserole, yeah, tuna casserole, yeah. So that's what Debbie is good for. But I love that Carl can piggyback off of that and and give them a different perspective. Yeah, and, and he's not just. Debbie's man. Yeah, like, no. He's got a role in this family, too. And I love that, mm-hmm. that he's contributing to this family, too. And I love that they um, accepted him mm-hmm. um, as that role, too, and mm-hmm. his role in, in that family. Because Emmett didn't have to listen to that. He could have been like, I, I'm over here grieving. I, I'm doing my thing. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're interrupting you my can't, movie. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. You're not a gay man. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Like, you're not under attack. But um, he actually, you know, listened. And then he, I mean, maybe the story touched him, maybe it didn't. But the fact that he even gave him a chance and sat there and listened, mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate it. And I appreciated that Carl took the time to like, because Carl didn't have to do that. He could have just kept walking. He didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he took time out of his day to tell this story, to let him know that, I mean, life, like I said, it's going to throw those curveballs, but it's how you weather it. So. Yeah. Ted is at Babylon with the contractor. It's not as bad as it looks, the guy says. After a hundred grand in four to six weeks, they could be back up and running. Brian is there also. He's kind of lurking in the back. He found a surviving bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> it must be his lucky day. Uh, Ted tells him that the contractor, what the contractor said, but Brian has decided not to reopen the club. Babylon is history. Mm. Ted can't believe it. It's like, it's your baby, your toy, your personal playground. Brian says, well, now it's a battleground. And also, I think it's like none of those things for Brian anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I think he was already headed in that direction, but this kind of expedited that conclusion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not to say that I think Brian is done drinking and clubbing, but I think he was already starting to realize that he didn't need Babylon for the same reasons anymore. When we were watching 509, we talked about him seeming like he was kind of above it. Like mm-hmm, he was there, but mm-hmm. he was kind of above it. And so it's like a different. Right. He was relating to Babylon in a different in a different way. Ted wants to know what he's going to do with it, and Brian is willing to offer it up to those developers who were interested before. Ted is absolutely floored by this. <laughs> he says, you said you'd sooner die than see our happy homo home homogenized. Uh, a lot of Brian's mantras are kind of coming back yeah, to, to him. Yeah, to haunt him. And, and they're holding him back. Yeah, yeah, they are haunting him. His verbiage didn't really allow for evolution or change in that might not have mattered before, but he has evolved and he mm-hmm. has changed and he is seeing the other side of what happens when people take you at your word. Yeah. <laughs> you 
<laughs> Seriously. But that's one good thing. They know that he didn't bullshit. They know that they could take him at his word. But um, I love that his word is changing. And like you said, no, too many people have already died. Yeah, so Brian says, like, who wants to pay $20 to dance on the memory of bombs and corpses? And I can understand why Brian isn't wanting to reopen. And there have to be weird feelings about reopening a place where people were killed while enjoying the thing that this place was created for them Mm -hmm. to enjoy. So I'd imagine there are a lot of weird feelings about all of that. And I think that Brian is disheartened by a lot of what's happening. And I think he feels a certain responsibility to respect and protect the people, um, Mm -hmm. to protect that community of people. I don't think he's scared necessarily. I think he just doesn't really see the point right now. And it's also so soon. Like, apologies for being graphic, but there's probably, like, literally still blood on the floor. Like, it's just too soon to be... Way too soon. Talking about reopening and all this and that. Yeah. yeah, just... like... No. mm -hmm. Like, and and Ted, again, we know why you're... Why you're doing what you need to do, but, baby, pump the brakes. Yeah. Because you make... You come up now, it's like... You're coming off of being heartless, okay? And and not showing any compassion to any of the survivors or any of the victims. The way you're just moving along so quickly and, and scooting things under the rugs. So I'm glad Brian is taking a step and slowing it down for Ted. I do get that some people feel like, no, open it back up and show them that they didn't win or let's reclaim the space. Let's take it back. Let's make it ours again. I do get that side of it, too. But I totally understand Brian be like, yeah, no, no, just pump the brakes on it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been three days. Yeah. Before leaving with his bottle of Jack, Brian tells Ted that he will see him at the vigil. Ted doesn't even know what he's talking about. And then he says, sure. Uh, Lindsay is at the diner ordering food to be delivered to Marie, Dusty's wife. Melanie and the kids are there, too, and they're sitting in a booth with Justin. Melanie can't believe what has happened, and she was the main one talking about how far this could go. And now that it happened, like, she can't even absorb it. Mm-hmm. You know? Justin is coloring with Gus, and I love any little bit of their relationship that we, that we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Melanie draws our attention to something that we haven't thought about yet. Marie, Dusty's surviving spouse has no legal right to their kids and if proposition 14 passes she wouldn't even be able to adopt them and i mean that's literally breaking up a a home these kids don't know anybody but their mother Mm -hmm. that was it what you gonna do send them to the foster family and i'm pretty sure desi's parents probably kicked her out probably yeah so i mean i wish we had more backstory on Mm -hmm, that to see mm -hmm. exactly where the kids would be going if it would be in foster care because that wouldn't be beneficial Right. Would be, I mean, that was just that's taking steps back and creating emotional trauma for these kids. Mm-hmm. You're trying to punish the parents. I think what is so hard is like not only are we having to deal with the fact that there was a bombing and that Dusty was lost in the bombing, that law is still pending. Mm-hmm. You know, Proposition 14 is still pending. Mm-hmm. And so like they could still lose even more. So even after having to pay the price in lives, lives. Mm-hmm. they could still lose all of this stuff. That I think is what just adds a whole nother side to this whole deal. Uh, Melanie and Lindsay are both legally Gus and JR's parents, but there's always a chance that they could try to take away third parent adoption, which they don't actually have, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Lindsay keeps thinking that if it had happened to her or Melanie, they would have wasted the last year that they had together. But luckily they realized what they would have lost before it was too late. I think that Justin is there with them and, Of course, he's happy for them because he loves them. They're like his big sisters. Mm -hmm. He's happy to see them back together. Uh, But also, I feel like that conversation is like, hmm. Too close to home a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It got the wheels turning. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think he's standing firm in if Brian's just doing this out of fear or panic, then no. But it's still like, hmm. But 
I mean, Justin's, I mean, Justin will forever have love for Brian. Mm-hmm. Justin will forever have love for Brian. But he's not thirsty, like, for the relationship. He's not, like, in a dire need to be he's in it. He's not like, I'll die if I yeah, don't have this. Exactly. He's like always going to want it. That's always going to exactly. be his preference. He's but, yeah. always going to want it. He's always going to have love for Brian. Always going to love Brian. But he's never going to be the one to pressure him. He's never going to be the one just to settle. He feels right now that Brian is doing this out of fear. Mm-hmm. So he wants to make sure that, no, you're doing this out of love. Like, I know you right. love me, but I want to make sure this is your... Because your verbiage is not your normal verbiage. I want to make sure that you're, yeah. you're all right. Well, okay? it's like, and I love you too much to trap yeah. you into something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm glad he has those reservations. Yeah. But over at the loft, they got my poor Jen throwing back a double dose of Prozac. Uh, she's at the loft with Brian, turtleneck included. <laughs> he offers her a bottle of Jack to wash it down with. But since she's not a very well-known but troubled celebrity, uh, Brian, <laughs> yeah, Brian then gives her some water. Jennifer tells Brian that she spoke to Debbie and that she's an effing inspiration in more ways than one, yeah. judging by Jen's Baby, you sound just like her. She yeah. rubbed off. Brian can tell she's had a profound influence. Uh, but these women have this in common, watching over their son after they were attacked by a hate crime, mm-hmm. in a hate crime, and wondering if their son's going to make it. They have that in common. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Jennifer toast to Justin being all right. And Jennifer adds that she's glad that Brian is all right, too. And I don't think anyone has said that to right, him. Right, no. Like, he wasn't there, so maybe they don't see a reason to say it, but he could have been. And she's the only person so far to acknowledge that. True. But, yeah, no one's asked that. Uh, for one, this is Brian's place, so he probably feel, feels responsible for all of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, second, Michael is on his deathbed. That is his best friend. Granted, they haven't been speaking, but who gives a damn? All of his friends' lives were at stake that mm-hmm. night. Um, he has a lot going on. He I mean, does. a lot. So they should be asking, hey, Brian, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you doing? How are you weathering this? Right. But I'm glad. Jennifer is, she's always been that person, though. Mm-hmm. She's always been that person to kind of read through the lines. She can always see what's really going on. And I'm glad that, and they probably made him feel good. You know, oh, like, yeah, had to. made him feel part of the family because he loves Justin. He's taking care of Justin. She knows the love that he has for Justin. So I'm glad that she reciprocates that to him. I think that it, it is her way of letting him know that she does love him and she does see him as his own person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer's at the loft because Brian wants to sell again. Uh, Jennifer has been receiving a lot of calls from panic sellers, people wanting to flee the area, which does happen after something like that. But that's not what Brian is doing, though. Jennifer wants to know if he's told Justin and he hasn't. She doesn't really care about this breakup. She knows what they mean to each other and that they're still connected. So she's like, did you talk to Justin about this? You know, mm-hmm. Even though they're not together, that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. to her. Brian doesn't want her to tell Justin because he doesn't see the point. Not after the way things went when he asked Justin to marry him. Girl, Jennifer is shooketh. Baby, she shooketh. She whips around quick. Quick. <laughs> Eyes buck. Okay. Yeah, you what, dear? No, you, you, you did what? Yeah. Uh, well, um, excuse me? Brian says, don't worry, he turned me down. And he says that, like, Jennifer wouldn't want him to marry her son. Jennifer didn't know and I like that Justin didn't go blabbing this mm-hmm. around town. Like, I'm not surprised, of course, but I like that he's protecting Brian's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna, Justin will not tell anybody about right. it. He might tell Daphne at some point, but the rest of the gang, none of them would ever nah. find out that now, Brian did that. Baby, Justin is the definition of ride or die. Yeah. Okay? Like, <laughs> he's a real one. For <laughs> real. Is, yeah. And to be so young, like, Brian, you did boy. And to have the stud of Liberty Avenue. Yes. Asking you that to part. marry him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's some shit you do gloat on. That's yeah. some shit you brag about. You he's know what I'm not going to do it. Uh-uh. Anyway, Brian feels like he needs to get this done. Like, now. He's to sell the house. He can't wait. Sell the loft. He can't wait. 
everything feels so urgent to him right now. Um, and so just kind of all over the place. Uh, I don't think he knows what to do, but what he's been doing isn't working. So he's like, just moving really quick. Jennifer offers him some Prozac. Bless her. She <laughs> she doesn't know what to say after what he revealed. And she's not used to seeing him like right. this. So she can't tell Justin because Brian told her not to. And she doesn't know how to help him, but she wants to because she's, she's worried about yeah. it. Uh, she does say for what it's worth, she wants him to know that she's sorry that she's not going to be his mother-in-law. Oh, they are trying to kill yes, me. I know, girl. That was too much. That took me out. They took me yeah. out. Like, oh, Lord. Yeah. And you can see that she was sincere when she said mm-hmm. it in her face. Like, I mean, she's still in, in shock. Yeah. But, I mean, she really meant it because she knows how much um, Brian and Justin both care for each other. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's like, what? Like, I bet she was shocked when she said, when he said Justin. I bet she was, like, just blown away when she said Justin declined. Like, after all this shit we went for through. For real? After all of this. All these years. <laughs> Now you didn't say the words, and he yeah. said no. She got to have another little coffee date with yeah. him at the diner. For yeah. real, get his ass together real quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all I want is for Jennifer to be another mother figure to Brian Kenny. That's, mm-hmm. that's like all I want. <laughs> and I feel like that's the best compliment that she can pay him. Uh, Brian never would have guessed that someone would want to inflict him upon their son. Definitely not someone like Jennifer, because mm-hmm. even he said, don't worry, he turned me down. Like, right. but. So he already feels like he's not worthy of that. But she's like, no, I would want you mm-hmm. not only for my son, but to be my son-in-law. He gives her a small smile in return. But I think no matter what, those two will maintain some sort of connection. Like I can see Kinetic going into real estate later, you know, like yeah. buying commercial properties and whatnot. Absolutely. And yeah. And I mean, she plugged in for life. She is. Yeah, she, she, she's plugged in from all of them, period. Yeah, because at some point, Emmett going to need to move out of Debbie's place. Yeah, well, so. you know, now that he got Drew, Drew ain't lost know. everything, okay? <laughs> like, I mean, he may have lost the endorsements, but I mean, I know he still got a couple million. I don't know mil. how much Sierra took out the bank, but... Well, yeah, for real. Well, he still got at least 100000 They get got some. at least half of it, yeah, surely. they got some. Yeah. I mean, I know it's cheaper to keep it, but, you know, Yeah. do your thing. I like that uh, Jennifer is the first person that Brian told he had feelings for Justin. In season two, he told her that he cared about him when she mm-hmm. was like, I don't want you to come here anymore. He's like, I care about him. Yeah. Well, she was not his number one fan at the time. No, but here lately, she's been rooting for Brian and for their relationship. And she loves Brian as his own person, not only because of his history with, with Justin. And, uh, you know, he needed a realtor and she came running. Yeah. Uh, he trusted her to find a home for Kinetic. And he's trusting her with this next thing that he's doing. Not only the sale of his loft, but his secret. Yeah. That he is selling it and that he proposed to Justin. Mm-hmm. And so he's trusting her with a lot. So I think they will be forever connected in some in some way. But I love their relationship so much. And I love how comfortable she's gotten around him. Mm-hmm. She's just chilling up in the loft. Yeah, chilling. <laughs> and it's not just in, in her posture. It's in how she speaks to him yeah, now. No, That's it's totally relaxed. different. Yeah. They may not be at the, like, tuna in a toke stage, yeah. but that's because she's not Debbie. <laughs> right, you know? So yeah. they will, their relationship will probably be just as strong, mm-hmm. but it'll just look, look it's, different. Yeah, every relationship is going to be different. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these decisions that Brian is making. I feel like it's a little bit like when your old clothes don't fit you anymore, mm-hmm. either because you've outgrown them or that's not just not your style right. anymore. And so I think that Brian is needing and wanting something different. And he feels like all oh, this has to happen right now. Like I've got to change everything right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like when those when you grow in your hair for your entire life and you do that drastic cut. Yeah, you know, like you just needed that that change. Get rid of that. Boom. You know. Then professing to Justin, um, my love for you, and I I, I want I want you to marry me. 
I mean, those are all new ideas that we have never seen from Brian mm-hmm. ever. So, I mean, it's only right. It makes sense. It, it really does. It makes sense for him to to make all these different changes because he has grown. Mm-hmm. He is no longer that Brian Kenny. He is the Brian Kenny. Okay? <laughs> so, it's a difference. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't tell us in this scene what his plan is after he sells, but we do see him cutting ties with a lot of things that previously defined but also limited him. Mm-hmm. So, there is that. Over at the vigil, Drew is giving a speech. They wanted him to speak because they see him as a hero, because he plays football, because after a lifetime of denial, he was finally honest about who he is. Well, Drew doesn't call that heroic. What's heroic is standing up for the rights you deserve, no matter the consequences. And that's what everyone who was killed or injured in the bombing was doing. And Drew talks about how powerful hatred can be. And I love that he decided to do this. Yeah. I love that he... You know, sometimes I get him not wanting to be the gay poster boy, but sometimes you have to take on that role. Yeah. Because your community needs somebody with a platform Mm -hmm. and you got to put your own stuff aside and do it for the greater good sometimes. So I'm glad that he did this. I know he didn't ask to Mm -hmm. be the community's hero, but I mean, it just fell into your lap. Like it it needed to happen. Like you said, he has that platform. He has that voice. That when he speaks, people listen. Mm-hmm. And that's what we needed. Drew is the perfect person. I was proud that he was able to, I was proud that he accepted the challenge, and not even the challenge, accepted the opportunity to go out and speak to the community and to the survivors. Because with that celebrity, I mean, his voice actually matters. They listen to him. And I mean, he's the one. He is the one that we need right now. So, yeah, what is it Batman says? Like, it may not be the hero Gotham deserves, but he's a hero Gotham needs or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Along those lines, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Melanie and Lindsay are there. Hunter is with Ben. Carl is with Debbie. Even Brian and Justin are there standing together. Emmett sneaks in as Drew is uh, speaking, and he stands beside Ben. Carl acknowledges that he's there. And then they take a moment of silence for those who lost their lives. Now, while this is happening, Ted is over at the baths, which seems a little bit off, and we'll deal with that. Debbie gives a speech as well, and she is there to tell them that Michael is going to be all right, but others were not so lucky. Unfortunately, the bigots showed up at this, and a guy starts yelling that Debbie's son should have died. And this isn't just for TV. They didn't just write this for drama. That, like, really happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ben has had enough. He goes over and just, like, mollywops this guy. And Brian goes over to pull Ben off of him. This is not the right time, but I'm liking Brian in this beanie or toboggan. Yeah. You know where you're from. For real. <laughs> yeah. uh, ben is raging out, uh, but we get it. They can't even grieve in peace. It's like, you no. can't even let us have this. Thank you. Like, again, we are on our side of town. I know that sounds real segregated, but we're, we're not only, bothering yes, you. We're, we're not on, trying to have this at your place. Thank you. We are in our community. We are mourning. And you're coming over here saying hateful shit like that. Again, that's why I say it's a little torn. Like, I go through all the stages. This was a stage where I'm going to commence to whoop some ass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I would have been Ben. Me and Ben would have been back to back. We would have been whooping some ass, okay? Yeah. And I'm glad that Ben got out there. I mean, because we know that's not Ben's character. Mm-hmm. Ben is Zen Ben, okay? Like, yeah. he's not out there throwing bows. That's not him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, literally, his husband is sitting up in the hospital. Right. People have died. Mm-hmm. There are several people injured. You had no respect for the human life, yep. period. And now you hear protesting as we're mourning? Mm-hmm. Like, what the like, hell? Like, what do you, what, do you want us all dead? Yeah. Like, what more do you want? What, I don't. And they holding up signs saying, God, some, one of the signs says something about God. 
How do you stand here and put God in that same sentence as you saying that we should die and we're humans mm-hmm. because of who we fucking? Like, yeah. stop playing with me, okay? Yeah. Let's not, wouldn't it say God is the one who's going to do all the judging? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? I mean, who are you? Yeah, like, yeah. Who, for real. <laughs> all right, like, God, let me know. Yeah, I mean, because like you were saying, this nearly cost Ben his husband. Some people, it did cost them. We lost Dusty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw Dusty countless times. We sure did, and she was gonna babysit the kids. Yeah, and she was. Dusty, the one talked them into having that the second, second baby. baby. Okay, Dusty's <laughs> the reason why all the problems started. Okay, <laughs> spilling the beans. Well, you guys should just go ahead and have. Well, oh, we were gonna have it when y'all having it. Oh, Melody said y'all was having. It. Yeah. Oh, she did, yeah. did she? <laughs> and then look what happened. Yeah, that part. Okay. Um. Yeah. So there was death and injury, but that is not even to mention the psychological toll that this is gonna have on the people who were were there, and so. They they are still having to. Um, it's enough going on yeah. without you coming over here with that. It's that enough part. Going on. So you get you deserve what you get when you come over here. Well, Ben has laid this man out, um, and the cops show up, so they've got to go. It takes Brian, Drew, and Carl to pull him that off part. Okay. Uh, of this guy. Even Emmett had to throw a punch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was so like, back to that. I forgot. Yes, even Emmett had to throw one. How are you going to try Emmett now? Yeah. Okay, Emmett looks nonviolent, <laughs> nonviolent. Okay. But they brought it out of yeah, him. That was the only way. And Emmett looked good doing it. He I said, did. Okay, I don't want, want to see my baby out there fighting, but, you know, you have to do what you have to do to protect yourself, <laughs> <laughs> so you get a pass. I love it. Uh, well, we see Ted dealing or not dealing with his issues in his own way. And I get the feeling that he is, I feel like he is there trying to deal with his pain in some sort of way. Uh, he's sitting in this room there at the pass um, with the guy that he just hooked up with. And the guy is saying that the place is kind of empty because most people are over at the vigil. He is not there because he feels like exploring his sexual freedom is the best, best revenge. revenge. It's like Brian's twin brother. <laughs> but his neighbor was there, though, and his neighbor lost a leg. Ted tells him that one of his best friends was also hurt. He doesn't know how he's doing because he hasn't been to the hospital. And the guy's like, wait, I thought you said he was a good friend. Mm-hmm. Well, Ted tells him that it never would have happened if it weren't for him, not the explosion, but Michael being injured. Remember, he sent Michael to go get the water for Lewis. And the bomb went off near the mm-hmm. bar. Uh, the guy is shocked and surprised that he to be meeting God. <laughs> Ted is giving himself way too much mm-hmm. credit. And this is uh, the guy's way of telling Ted that he had no control over what happened or who got hurt. And if he can't control it, he can't do anything to change it or or to prevent it. Then the guy absolves Ted uh, with, some, holy water. with some distilled bottled water there. <laughs> I don't think it works like that, but no absolution <laughs> is needed anyway. And that's the whole point that the guy's trying to make. He's very extra, but everything that he's saying is true. But he needed to be extra because nothing, if he would just had a normal conversation with Ted, it would have went in one ear and out the other like yeah. everybody if else. Like, it's not your fault. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. He needed to be sarcastic. He needed to like kind of poke fun like, bro, get and your go ass extreme up. Yes. the other way. Yeah. He needed to. So because he wasn't going to break through any other way. Ted hasn't confessed any of these feelings of guilt to any of the gang, probably because he thinks that they will judge him or hate him. Or it will, like, remind them, like, oh, yeah, you're the one who sent mm-hmm. him up. So he hasn't said anything. Debbie would have told us that. So, <laughs> it was yeah. you? Yeah. But he told a stranger, and this stranger gave him some words of wisdom. So we'll see if Ted listens. Brian is driving Ben away from the vigil. He offers Ben his special towel to wipe the blood off his hands. And Ben can't believe that he came unglued like that. He's never completely been out of control. 
And Brian says, well, you should try it more often. I might like you more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ben's feeling pretty guilty. And, like, this makes him no different than those monsters. Like, he just told his students, you don't fight back, not with your fists. And he did it. Well, this also means that Brian can't call him Zen Ben anymore. Mm -mm. A nickname that Ben didn't know he had. Ben is feeling his own guilt because of the way he was like, you didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) I mean, that just shows the type of person he is, you Mm -hmm. know, like he doesn't react with violence. And and it's it's sad, like the people who are trying to be peaceful and nonviolent are being attacked with violence. You're upset with me and we we haven't even done anything like yeah. no problem. And when 14. I have to do what you did to me to get you to stop doing that, to I, me, feel, I terrible. feel bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Brian offers him a cigarette. Terrible influence that he is. Uh, Brian doesn't know what Buddha would say, but he knows that Michael would be proud of Ben. And Ben can trust him on that because he knows how well Brian knows Michael. Ben is trying to tell uh, Brian how much it would mean to Michael to know that he was there, that Brian was there at the hospital, and how he was ready to tear the whole place down to make sure Michael got what he needed. But Mrs. Novotny Bruckner. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Brian cuts him off. Mrs. Novotny Bruckner made it very clear, just because they've been friends for their whole lives, there's no reason to go on being friends. Well, Ben can't speak on Michael's behalf, so he mm. lets it go. And maybe that was Ben finding out that this is on Michael now. The ball's in Michael's court. <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm pretty sure he didn't. He didn't probably didn't articulate until fucking um, Ben that hey, you know, Brian tried to approach me. You know, he didn't. Yeah, no, he he, he didn't. <laughs> so I'm glad um, you know Brian was able to have this conversation. It also gives Ben a different insight inside look on on Brian because I'm pretty sure he's outside look. I mean, y'all, y'all had the little hookup, you know, years ago when he blew your back out, but <laughs> you know. All you see, all you normally see is Brian being Brian, which can be a little ass, you mm-hmm. know. So that's all he really, really gets to see. He never gets to see the sensitive side of Brian. So I'm glad they had this one-on-one moment where he got to actually see Brian and experience exactly what we see. Well, Debbie and Hunter are grabbing some hospital food in the cafeteria. Hunter wants to know when Michael is going home. He needs to know because at this point he's planning on going back to Florida. Uh, Debbie wants to know why he even came if he was planning to leave again. Hunter says, well, I wanted to make sure that he was going to be okay. But Debbie thinks that there's more to it. But if not, maybe it would have been better if he'd never come back at all since they were finally adjusting to him being gone. See, I didn't like that, okay? Yeah. But, I mean, she, I, mean she, I know where she's yeah, coming she from, but it's it back. Just, don't forget, Hunter yeah. is a child. Yeah, baby like, girl, he's a child. I know he's very mature. Yeah. He's been out here in Florida on his own, but he is a child. That part. He, he's a kid who's been through a lot, and you're handling him real rough, okay? <laughs> Like, and then, I mean, he come from the rough type shit, so that's what he's used yeah, to. But, but baby, you were supposed to be the one, you like, happy and, and nurturing and loving, you know. I felt in this moment she was overste- overstepping. But she took a pause, and then she finished. Yeah, she, and then she I caught agree. herself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, I, then I was like, oh, okay, I can, I, can, I can fuck with that. But when she first started going in, I was like, baby, he just got back, okay? Yeah. And if, if Ben heard you saying this shit, baby, World War Three popping oh, off. Oh, yeah. Okay? <laughs> Like, you're going to have the boy run away tonight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I was like, girl, you better be careful what you yeah, say to him. Yeah, but like you said, she does kind of catch herself. I think she kind of sees it in Hunter's face. And she says that perhaps Hunter came back because he misses them as much as they miss him. And maybe he was hoping that if he came back, they might ask him to stay. I think Grandma Deb has him pegged. Yes, absolutely. Well, Drew and Emmett are out on a run. Emmett is doing his best Marilyn Monroe in some Like It Hot impression. Uh, (laughs) Emmett is also showing off his right hook. Uh, It looks like he has a bruise on his cheek, Mm -hmm. but 
It's less important than the one on his knuckles from fighting back. Yes, okay. He is proud, baby. He he got that Muhammad Ali strip right yeah. now in his run. Okay. Yeah. Well, being able to defend himself made him feel safe and strong again. And mm-hmm. so that's another side of yeah, it. You know, like true. it went it went far, I should say, mm-hmm. for Cody. But um but that that's true. Knowing that I can defend myself if I have to, if I need to, that does make you feel safer. It does. Because he was feeling helpless, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he got out there and did it on his own, and he didn't even want to go. Right. <laughs> he didn't even want to be there. But him going there, he was able to dig deep down inside again mm-hmm. and find that, that flame that burns bright. And we got yeah. Emmett, who we love. And I love this scene because he's happy. Like, mm-hmm. they're doing something that they both love. Because um, Drew, Drew likes to run and work out. It kind of calms him, gets his mind together. Then you're out there with your man. And you have to, because yeah. earlier he asked you, you, no, you sit on the couch, you, in your pity and your wallowing. And your pudding. And, yeah, your pity and your, and your pudding. Yeah, that part. So <laughs> I hate pudding. Yeah, I do too. Oh my God. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see him up and smiling and happy, you know. He had a little war room, but it was okay. We yeah. loved it. <laughs> Melanie and Lindsay are home from Dusty's funeral. Lindsay is thinking about Dusty's two-year-old. It's hard enough to deal with Dusty dying, but she's also thinking about them losing their kids, potentially, about Marie losing them. Melanie tells Lindsay that she felt like she had to let go of and bury some of the hope that she's had that things would work out for the best, but Lindsay cautions her to hang on to that because it's all you have. They have a family to look out for, and Melanie is feeling like they need to be proactive about protecting them. Uh, Melanie says she's always rejected Brian's claim that there are only two kinds of straight people, those who hate you to your face and those who hate you behind your back. She knows it's not true because there are plenty of straight people out there who are great allies, but the ones who hate you no longer have to do it behind your back. They are doing it, what she says, in the White House, in churches, on television, and in the streets. And so Melanie isn't sure that this is the kind of place that she wants to raise her kids. She Mm -hmm. knows this is the world that she wants her kids to, to be in. So she's going all like, alarmist kind of but you get where she's coming from yeah i mean all those thoughts thoughts Mm -hmm. run through your head yeah because it wasn't just the bombing it wasn't just the death and now we can lose the kid and Mm -hmm. now we can you know so it's like if this is what this environment is Mm -hmm. like i don't know if this is the best environment for me and my family i don't want to raise a family in this type of environment yeah back at the hospital michael's doctor tells him that he is healing very well his family wants to know when he can come home um, a few more days in the hospital and then they'll release him Michael's husband, son, and mother come in to celebrate the good report. Uh, They remind Michael that he'll need to rest, and Hunter says that he'll take care of him. So that means no more dwarfing with the dwarfs. And I do like Snow White's dwarfs, to be be (laughs) fair. That is if it's okay with Ben and Michael if he comes home. And it's definitely okay. Yes, I mean, you know, Ben been waiting weeks to hear those words. (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently Ted listened to the random guy at the bass because he shows up with balloons and he's in a great mood and they're all happy to see him. Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't—they didn't really care what took him so long to yeah, get there. Yeah, they know? didn't like, even ask. Like, no, oh, like, Ted, you're here! Thank God! Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and you can see that Michael's happy to see his mm-hmm. face, and Ted is genuinely happy to see his face as well. Like, I mean, it's just one of those. We all here. I love you guys. Like, at and, least he was able to face them. Like, yeah. even if he's still gonna have some lingering stuff. At least he was able to face mm-hmm. them. And that. And it, when Michael come out of the hospital, he'll tell him, "Hey, I'm sorry." He'll probably express Ted is always gonna be the one who overthinks, yeah. overtalks. So he's he's gonna tell him like, "Hey, you know, I was struggling because I sent you to get the water." I can hear Michael right now saying, "Hey, no, it's not. It wasn't you. It's gonna happen no matter what." 
He might say that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, you know, knowing Michael. <laughs> you, you never know. Yeah, Which Michael you going to get. <laughs> yeah, you never know. If it was Brian who sent him, Brian to Brian send him to get the water, is, uh, then Well, first off, been... Debbie wouldn't even let him come in the hospital, that okay? Part, okay. Because how dare he be thirsty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, I think we got a better chance with it being Ted. <laughs> Um, well, then we see Brian's Corvette headed somewhere, and Justin is riding shotgun. Brian said that he had something to show Justin, but it's way in West Virginia, which is less than half an hour from Pittsburgh, apparently. I think at this point, Justin isn't really sure what to make of things with Brian. Like, they're not together. And I say that because the I think the whole point was that Justin didn't want to do this in-between kind mm-hmm. of thing. So even though something is going on because Brian has told you that he loves you, he's come to check on you like and then there's a lot going on so you're feeling very emotional and maybe touchy-feely right now but Justin didn't want to do a weird in-between thing so mm-hmm. technically they're not together right now but he can see that Brian is trying and he loves Brian so he's never going to turn him away completely I do think he's ready for Brian to return to normal though like there's been a lot happening in the last couple of days and new chapters are being added to the Brian Kenny operating manual <laughs> and it's just like uh, it's a lot for poor sunshine to take in they finally arrive at a beautiful home. Baby. And Justin is impressed on the curb appeal alone. I am impressed. Yes. I want to say I am gagging, but I'm not sure if that's a bad word. No, it's good, baby. <laughs> we are gagging, okay? Like, for real. It's good. Yeah. They get out of the car at the door, and Justin's like, this is great. And Brian tells him, wait till you see the pool and the tennis court. and the Stables. <laughs> yeah. like, stables? Yeah. And Justin's like, who lives here? And Brian says... We do. Uh, girl, I got to scream because before when they were just in the car, I was like, because y'all know, you know, I got that, I got that mysterious his, Maryland his triple M, His triple M was on That triple M was coming. So I was like, they, they was driving the car and I was like, where the hell are they going? Are they in the country? And I was like, oh, he sold the loft to get them a house in the country? <laughs> and then you didn't say anything, but I knew. So when they pulled up, I was like, oh my God. And then when he said the stables, I mean, my heart just, uh, girl. Yeah. Low key, like I mean, everything in me, like just the little um goosebumps that came over my body, like I yeah. mean, it was, just, it was crazy. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I feel bad that I feel happy in this episode. I know, like, but but there are is because there's so much tragedy going on, and you don't want to celebrate the good. But I'm gonna celebrate the good. That's what I'm, Debbie said. This is crazy. Like, That's what Debbie said earlier. You celebrate the victory. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know? So we're gonna do that. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, like, I don't even know, like, this scene right here is, like, out of the entire series, goes down as my number one scene. Like, Brian, you really did it. Like, you did the damn thing. I mean, Justin, you, the man wanted the moon, baby. You gave him the moon, the stars, the sun, (laughs) the whole damn Milky Way. You gave him everything. Yeah. Let me just, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. I love it. I love this whole thing. So, we don't get the whole tour of this place, but I love this house. Uh, and they are standing in what I'm going to call the study, and Justin looks very good in this scene. Mm-hmm. Brian is saying that Justin said his small but charmless studio would have to do until his country manor came along, and Brian hoped that this place would be all Justin dreamed of. Well, it is, and more, but Justin already told Brian, and Brian finishes it for him, I know you won't marry me. And Brian says, who could, who could blame you? Like, I am without a doubt the worst candidate for marriage alive, but conversely, that also makes me the best candidate. 
Brian goes on to say, as strongly as he was opposed to the idea, now that he is behind it, he is as fervently and as passionately. <laughs> and Justin's like, what are you doing right yeah. now? Uh, he wants to know what finally changed Brian's mind because he is very skeptical. Now, can you imagine how much that would hurt Justin if he agreed to this? And in a month or so, after things calmed down, Brian came to him and said, I take it back. It would be no coming back. Yeah. Like, this would be the, this time, I think Justin would hurt him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sucker punch him, yeah. Which, you know, I doubt Brian would do that. What I think would actually happen is Brian would go through with it and be miserable, and mm-hmm. then it would make Justin miserable in the process. And so Justin would absolutely, Justin absolutely does not want to put either of them through that just because Brian is scared and panicking. But Brian tells him that he thought of one good reason to do it. And that one good reason is to prove to the person that he loves how much he loves him. He says that he would give him anything, that he would do anything, that he would be anything to make him happy. Ah! <laughs> Y'all, I wish I could do my screen, but we on the mics. Yeah. I can't, but oh my God. Yeah. Boy. Everything. Who is this man? Everything. It is perfection. And yes. what I love, and I'll dig into it more later, I love that he started out trying to like make this sound all perfect and storybook and romantic. And, with his speech, but then when Justin was like, cut it out, what are mm-hmm. you doing? Then he was just like, look, here's this what it real. is. I'm going to give you the real. I love you. I want you to know that. Anything it takes for me to prove that to you, you can have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that Brian is defending his case. I think that's what stands out the most to me. Like, so many times in this episode, Justin has been like, it's okay, dude. I yeah. appreciate it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And... He keeps giving Brian an out, but Brian keeps coming back. He mm-hmm. keeps defending himself and fighting for this. And every time Justin lets him off the hook, Brian doesn't give up. He is just as determined and tenacious as Justin mm-hmm. can be. He, I mean, when something happens and doesn't go his way, he might take a seat for a minute. You know, after an L, he'll, right. you know, wallow just a bit. But then he'll get back up and keep going after what he wants. And he's done that in his career. And I absolutely love that he's doing that for their relationship mm-hmm. now, too. And this is what Justin has always wanted. And I'm not talking about the marriage part. I'm talking about Justin wanting Brian to tell him to stay, to tell him it will matter to me if you're not here. <laughs> and I don't want you to leave. Like He's been mm-hmm. wanting that from him. Justin is starting to see the honesty. There's a little smile on his face. And then he tells Brian that he's unbelievable. But contrary to how Emmett meant that in the last episode, Justin means it with a lot of love and admiration. Justin cannot believe that Brian bought a palace. And Brian says it's for his prince. And I have passed out again. (laughs) Brian is also selling the loft and the club. Justin can't believe that he did all that without even knowing what his answer would be. And Brian says that he's taking a chance on love. And I'm going to like tattoo that on my forehead or something. Um, He smiles shyly at Justin and his own words and behavior, but he's not being self-cynical. That's usually what we would expect to see, but here he's not being self-cynical. He's saying these things and taking a chance, taking a risk, and there's a part of him that's like giddy about it, kind of. He's excited and he's happy and he's hopeful that this is all gonna, gonna work out, that Justin's gonna say yes. It's what I said last episode. He's letting Justin see all of him, and that's new territory. So, of course, he's going to look a little awkward and like a clumsy teenager with some of this. But that's not because he doesn't mean it or because he's forcing it. It's because, for once, he's being completely honest about his emotions, and he's actually putting words to them. He doesn't usually do that. The words part of it 
is what's new to him. And he's still got to find his footing in that part of it. That finally clicks for Justin and he realizes that this is Brian, like just Brian, not Brian F. and Kenny, not Brian Sex on Legs, not Brian Set of Liberty Avenue. This is Brian in front of him and he is fighting for their relationship and he can see it in Brian's shyness and nervousness. Like he's not cocky or cool and casual. Um, Even from the very beginning, like when he when he when they pull up to the house and Justin asks who's who lives here and Brian says we do like he takes that deep breath and you can just hear a little bit of that nervousness when he says we do and Justin can see all of that and so he says then you mean it and Brian says I've never meant anything more and then Justin stands tall before him and says okay <laughs> and Brian's like okay and Justin tries again with a smile let's do it that's not enough for Brian he wants Justin to say it the script says that Brian wants it to be official. Like he wants to hear those words. So Justin says, yes. Yes, what? Yes, I will marry you. I will marry you. And he like kind of shakes Brian a little bit. Like, I want you to hear me say this. I'm giving you that reassurance that you need. I am saying yes to this. And they kiss. And then Brian seems to have gone all inward. Well, Justin catches it immediately. And he's like, what? Don't tell me you're already having second thoughts. Not one, Brian says. I think he's relieved. I think he's overwhelmed by how much he wants this. And he is relieved that he's going to get to have it. This being a life with Justin in it. When I look at Brian's face in that scene when they hug after Justin says yes, I see a man who can finally rest. Like after running away from something, then pretending he didn't want it, then being worried if he would lose it, then pushing it away before he got too used to it, then letting it walk away, but wanting it to stay or to come back. Then going back to pretending he didn't need it. like He's been all over the place. And now after admitting it's what he wants and what he's willing to do to make sure he doesn't lose it, he finally has it. So I see a man who is content and at peace, finally. I think Justin loved and appreciated the gesture of the house and everything. But what I really think won him over was Brian actually fighting to hold on to their relationship and doing everything he could to convince Justin that he meant the words that he was saying. In every other situation, Brian left the decision about their relationship up to Justin. He let Justin make the final call and all of that, and he didn't try to sway him. Now here, the decision is still Justin's, but Brian is working really hard to convince him to stay. And I think even if this manner didn't work, uh, I think Brian would regroup and then he would come up with another strategy. I don't think he's going to give up. So even if Justin said no here, he was going to get asked again. <laughs> he was going to get approached again by Brian. And I think we were going to see Brian turn into season one Justin in a way where he was going to relentlessly pursue this man that he was in love with and that he wanted to be with. And so here, instead of saying, choose me if you want to choose me, it's Brian saying, choose me because I want you to choose me. And that's the part of it that he was never really admitting to before. Like, I want you to choose this and to choose us. I think we said this in the past. Brian doesn't think he's deserving of love. Right. And, I mean, it's here. It's knocking at his doorstep. He opened the door and he has received it. It's not going anywhere. Didn't this episode give you finale vibes? Like, this is how it should have ended. Like, I mean, this is the (laughs) perfect fairy tale. Like, I mean... In, in my wildest dreams, I I would have bet my life that this would this scene would never would have happened. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like, oh my life, I would have said some shit like that. 
The final scene with them is just incredibly beautiful. It's the two of them naked on the floor in mm. front of a lit fire in their new home. And there's so much love and happiness and contentment in each look and each touch. And mm-hmm. I can't even describe the way Brian is looking at Justin in this last scene. Um, but it is beautiful and yeah. it is perfect. And this is just as emotional to me as the I love you scene. Like They love each other so freaking much and are finally back together, mm-hmm. both committed to spending the rest of their lives together. I'm blown away. That was, y'all, they're known for the twists and turns, but <laughs> damn. Yeah. I mean, this was amazing. Like, I mean, amazing. We're sorry we lost Dusty, but we got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We got Brighton back together. But at least there's some beautiful stuff that we can yes. celebrate. We can mourn the losses and, and celebrate. celebrate the victories. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's exactly what we're doing yeah, over here. Yeah, I got a big old smile. Yeah. I got a smile on my face. I want to talk about Brian being a bundle of nerves as he is driving Justin to West Virginia and to go see this house. Brian is used to pitching a campaign to get people to buy something. This time he's trying to sell himself in a way that he's never done before. He's not trying to sell a night of great sex. He's trying to sell a lifetime of love and happiness sponsored by him. And he knows that because of everything he's always preached, it's going to be a tough sale. And Justin is going to be the hardest client or customer that he's ever had to convince because for the last few years, Brian has told Justin all the reasons he shouldn't buy into this. He shouldn't want this. And not just with Brian, but at all, like with anybody. So this will be the hardest and greatest campaign to ever come out of Kinetic's CEO. He can't use the words and phrases that he used before. Cockiness will get him nowhere. There are no numbers or reports to show here. And even when Brian starts out talking to Justin, like he's on the other side of the room, like at the the other end of the room, almost like he's standing at the end of a conference table. And it's not until he kind of lets all of that facade go and until he is like, I got to throw everything at this when he starts walking toward Justin and he changes the way that he's speaking because all he has is his truth, what he feels, a conviction about what he wants, his heart on his sleeve. And if that can't seal the deal for him, then, okay, we got to regroup. We got to re-strategize. I was going to say that will be that, but I don't, I don't think so. So I imagine Brian is radiating nervous energy, the whole car ride there as they're doing this house tour, just kind of all of it because he knows what he ultimately wants from this. But he's also so sure that he wants to spend the rest of his days loving Justin and making sure that Justin knows that he loves him and building a life with him. So you don't know this, but I know this. There are people who take an issue with all of this. Like they, Brian buying the house, Brian proposing, Brian even saying, I love you. They think it's not sincere. It's totally out of character. Like some people hate season five. Um, But I know that some people take an issue with Brian saying that he's doing this to prove his love and they say you shouldn't have to prove your love. Uh, Now, all due respect for your opinions, I think that that is a misinterpretation of what he means by those words. Yeah, but but also, I I don't even agree with the you have to, yeah, you kind of, like, not like actually prove your love to me, bro. People do shit all the time that proves love. Yeah, well, he's showing you what that means. Like, I say the words, but here are the actions that go with it. Yeah. Um, when, When it first started happening, I was like, I'm not going to say I agree with them, but I was like, oh, I bet it was a fight to get this um this episode on. Like, the writers, I bet they were going back and forth um, with the writing because it didn't seem like Brian. But it actually, it makes sense, though, because, like I said before, from season one all up to now, we've been peeling back these layers of Brian. 
It, I mean, like, we couldn't just keep him in the same spot. Everybody else is growing around him, and we're going to keep Brian in the same spot, the person who has the most to gain? Like, no, it made sense for him to be to, to grow and to evolve. It made sense for that, um, for, for that to happen, for him to say those words. Also, no one was expecting that. Yeah. I mean, it's out of character, but that's what makes that's it's what not makes out of life, character. Yeah. It's new to yeah, his it's character. It's new to his character. Because yes. this is a person who is grow. This is a human being who is alive, Thank which means you. that they can grow and evolve. Yes. So it's not yes. out of not, character. Not out of character. It's new, new to, his to the character. character. Yeah. And and then that really gives this story a real life like legs, real feelings. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, no one's gonna stay and do the same old bullshit day in and day out. I mean, you have to grow, learn little by little, no matter what. That's on anything, anything in life. You 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 might not even know you're doing it, but you're learning, you're you're absorbing, you're you're, you're changing little by little. And it got to the point where why does Brian have to lose something? Why can't he say yes? I do love this boy. And why can't Brian? Yeah, yeah. why? Yeah, exactly. That's my thing. Why can't he say I love him? If he wants to live in a place like this, like, I'll live here with yeah. him. <laughs> you know, like, We saw everybody make sacrifices. I think it was time for him. Like, I mean, he's, he made a lot. But relationship-wise, you know, like, it was time that he actually, Justin put in the fucking work. It was time for Justin to be rewarded, you know, and for Brian to be rewarded. Right. He's done so much good for everyone around him. Why can't he have happiness? Why doesn't he deserve and it? I think that's something that people might miss in this episode. What we were seeing was how Brian's own words were haunting him. We mm-hmm. said that twice in here already. His own words, these walls that he put up for himself, they were limiting him. Mm-hmm. And so why can't he knock those down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because of the person that he loves or yeah. to be with the person that he loves. Like, why can't he? If it's his choice to do it, Justin didn't ask him to do it. Justin was like, we're cool, bro. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But Brian kept coming Chose. back and yeah. doing this. Yeah. I think the reason that he seems so out of sorts is because we are getting the real and unpolished Brian. We yeah. don't usually get that. And so this is all new and a little bit scary. Yeah, but it's also very necessary for him is how he's feeling. After saying I love you the first time, it's kind of like the same thing as when you think there's a monster under your bed. Mm-hmm. And so you're always afraid that there's this monster under your bed. But then when you finally work up the courage to look one day, it's like there's nothing to be afraid of. And so exactly. I think it was exactly what happened with him. He said it and then it was like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's true. And I do want to be with this person. And so it's like there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. And so once he got past that first time with saying it and with being open and with really trying to. This is all new to him, so he's very clumsy with it. Right. But once he got past that, it's like, okay, I'm going I'm to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Brian had been growing and changing and fighting that change, but the thing with Brandon was really kind of the first part of accepting all of it. And now, nothing matters more to him than knowing he will have Justin in his life with some degree of permanence. That's ultimately what this is all about, securing a life with Justin. Brian wants that, and there's no convincing me otherwise. I have a copy of the script for this episode, and I don't want to disclose what I had to do to get it. (laughs) I'm going to be adding parts of it to Patreon, but reading the notes for these scenes is just everything, and it makes it all that much more beautiful. But going back to, well, I'm going to say defending this part of Brian, even though I'm not trying to change anyone's mind, think what you think, but going back to kind of wrapping my mind around all of this, Brian has always been firm in his convictions, and he is convinced that he loves Justin and wants to build a life with him. He's always spoken freely about his convictions, and that's what he's doing here. This is an entirely different conviction, so it's going to look a little weird on him to begin with. But I think it shows a tremendous amount of growth and healing for Brian to be able to say those words. 
and take put action with those words. And I'm not going to deny him that or take that from him. And yes, there is a part of this that is being expedited because of the bombing. Tragedy does make things seem urgent. I think we're seeing that not only with Brian, but with some of the other people as well. But again, it's no less true. And I've said many times, Brian is a big gesture kind of person. This is his way of showing Justin that he is ready and willing to give him everything that he can because that's something people in love do for each other. I mean, that episode was, was it was a lot, but good a lot. Like, yeah. it was needed. Everything that happened in the episode w- was needed. It was the cleanup of the messiness. Mm-hmm. And it was the work through of, of everyone. We got to get a glimpse of everyone's thoughts, where they head is. We know what Drew is feeling right now. We know where Carl and Debbie is. We know that Hunter is back. We, we got to experience a little bit of every single person. Yeah, so that is... Um... That's this episode. Like what you were saying earlier about um, them giving us a lot. Yeah. Tying up some things. It did did feel very Mm finale-like. Or even not necessarily a tie-up, but just like a good launch pad for everybody. Yeah, exactly. A good launch pad for everybody. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a good launch pad. Because, I mean, now we have, like, we we can have so many different spinoffs or different directions. They've given them all somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to do a recap of part of season five before we finish out the season like there is so much going on and this season is moving very fast i think it would be good for us to pause just can we pause it and um take a look at how we got from there to here on a few things also my mind still kind of wants to overprocess some stuff like the back from the dead comment because brian associates marriage with death and brian dreamed of his own death and i want to think about all that a little bit more I also want to talk more about the proposal, well, both proposals, and a lot of other stuff with the rest of the gang, really, um, with Melanie and Lindsay, with Michael and Brian. I want to revisit the fight that they have at Michael's home. So there's a lot more stuff that we want to go back into before we before we finish out this season, because I think it's important where we are. I mean, I know we're so close to the end, but there is such a change from 501 to like 512, so... We're going to see if we're going to be able to address that because, yeah, I think 513 will be five episodes in and of itself. So, Well, guys, we hope you all enjoyed this episode. I mean, I know it had some highs and had some lows, but for the most part, it was definitely on some highs. Uh, if you are a true, true, true fan, then you, you understand. So um, let us know what you guys thought about it. Send us any questions. You know, let us know your insights. You know, we love to keep it interactive and um, we appreciate you. Until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.